This may be the magical world you know, but that doesn't mean it is the one you remember. Welcome to Magic Earth, a setting based on the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Those books and films exist in some form or another within this world, but I think you will find that they don't accurately capture the full story of what happened all of those years ago. The year is 2025, and we are going to Hogwarts School for Magic Users. Nearly three decades after the defeat of Voldemort, the magical world is still rebuilding all that was lost into something hopefully better. The survivors of the Battle of Hogwarts, children forced to grow up all too fast, saw the mistakes and failing of their elders and entered the world determined to fix the messes their predecessors had made. Inspired by the heroic actions of the boy who lived, they led the magical world into an age of rapid progression and advancement. As a result, I think you will find today's Hogwarts, and today's magical world in general, to fit in much better with the rest of society, human and otherwise. However, progress does not come without a price. I wonder, friends, what the price for such rapid magical progress could be. A question for another day, perhaps. Until that day, we turn our attention to the non-magical world, where three young children are about to have their lives forever changed by a letter in the mail. Let us turn our attention to the first character in this new story, on a manor in the English countryside as she prepares to venture into the garden. i terrified to try and do a British accent, but whatever, it's fine. It's fine. Don't at Rachel. Guys, don't at Rachel. Yeah. You guys, don't listen, me. I know I'm cool and hot and sexy, but don't at me. Uh, all right. So we are transitioning to 5142 Manor Park, Royal Tunbridge Wells, Denny Bottom, England. A large, beautiful manor with a pool, of course, but also very close to our character's father's office. Eloise, would you like to describe your character and your living situation? Um, hello, I'm Eloise. Uh, I'm literally not going to do a British accent. It's going to, like, fuck me up the entire time. Hi, I'm Eloise. Um, I am an 11-year-old child. I live in the countryside of England in my parents' manor. Um, and she doesn't even say that in a braggadocious way. Like, it's literally just, like, a fact. I generally enjoy hanging out with my uh, non-magical friends. My parents would call them muggles, but they're a little stuck in the past, so it's fine. I go to a muggle school. I hang out with my muggle friends because my father uh, is an investment uh, broker with the uh, non-magical world, so he works in the investment office in town. Uh, and I go to the muggle school so that he can keep up appearances with his coworkers. I love playing football or soccer, as it's known in America. Uh, and I love uh, playing with animals and things like that. But when I'm home, my parents force me to do, or not force, I guess force is a little, is a little um, strong. My parents uh, require me to do sort of extracurricular magical activities, such as hippogriff, dressage, and other things of that nature, and uh, attending wizarding cotillions to uh, bolster my status within the magical community. Yeah, so Eloise, it is a beautiful, uncharacteristically warm summer day in June. You have already received 
and responded to your Hogwarts letter, of course saying, yes, you're going to go. It was your parents' greatest joy to have that acceptance letter sent to you. All right, so you are just sort of waking up, lazily getting out of bed. It's probably around 10. You've already had breakfast. You're just lounging in bed and you see your uh, your familiar actually is sort of walking around your room. Do you do you let your familiar, generally speaking, walk around your room? Yeah. Uh, the parfait is the only thing that is allowed to not be in its place in uh, her bedroom. Mm. She will let parfait do whatever parfait wants to do. Amazing. And tell us about parfait. So parfait, parfait. is uh, Eloise's duck. It's specifically a shell duck, which is a type of uh, duck that's native to England. It's beautiful. It's got like this very vibrant plumage and her parents gifted it to her after um she received her hogwarts letter and she um you know agreed to attend they knew she wasn't excited about leaving her non-magic friends so they sort of recognized her um her obedience by giving her a duck because they knew that ducks were her favorite animals so it's right now it's still a baby like a duckling not super young but definitely not fully grown so it's sort of in that in-between phase but it's super soft yeah it hasn't quite shed its down yet yeah 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 i love that so parfait is waddling around the room everything is neat in its place and all of a sudden parfait quacks up like she wants to go outside like go for a walk get up starting to peck at the door oh parfait one day you'll be old enough that you can just fly out of the bay window, but until that day comes, you know I have to let you out of this room. Do you follow? Wow, um, yeah, she opens the door and she, she follows the duck, and it's funny because like usually ducks are supposed to follow people, but whatever. Black Rowan. What does the duck sound like, Rowan? Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that was, but yes! <laughs> that was me. God, that was so good. Uh, yeah, so you and Parfait make your way out onto the grounds, and this has become kind of a morning ritual at this point with Parfait. The two of you walking, uh, having breakfast, lounging in bed for a little bit, then walking around mid-morning down to the grounds and checking on all of the flowers, making sure they are all happy, just breathing in the beautiful floral scents. And of course, Parfait loves to go into the pond just beyond your eyesight right now mm -hmm. and swim. So it's just a normal day. The gardener actually is here today taking care of some of the weed eating and trimming the hedges, doing what she always does. She's a lovely, stout, older English woman, proper English woman. Mm -hmm. And she gives you a smile. As you walk out into the garden, um, would I know? Would I know her name? Yes, her name is actually Matilda. Okay, were you gonna say something else? Yeah, I was gonna say, why don't you roll me a perception check? Okay. Oh Yo, my god! First at twenty, baby. Let's go. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Rowan, now, Rowan, now you have to tell us who the big bad of the campaign is. It's true. We have to know everything from this one that twenty perception. Role. Actually, Eloise, <laughs> Cody, you're actually Tom Riddle. Sorry, I didn't want to tell you like this. 
No. Okay. Yeah. So actually with a nat 20, so you're walking in the garden. Parfait has actually already made it to the little pond and is swimming around. So you're just wandering around by yourself. And all of a sudden you hear it before you see it. Just a light hissing. And it gets a little bit louder. I turn and immediately uh, try to find Parfait. Like, try to locate him with my eyes. Sort of panic. So you turn and you look all around. And with your nat 20, you actually see that there is a grass snake. Which are native to the countryside in England. So it is the first one you've encountered personally. But it isn't the first one your family has encountered. You do know, however, that the gardener is petrified of snakes of any sort. And this particular snake is starting to slither its way toward Matilda. How close is it to her? Probably about 10 feet and you're on the other side. So if she is over by these brightly colored flowers Uh and the bench and everything, then you're sort of on the other side. The snake is coming from the opposite direction. I'm gonna yell for Matilda, and I'm gonna say, uh, Matilda, get on the bench, quick. She looks around, and when she turns to look at you, she catches the snake in the corner of the eye, and she screams and hops up onto the bench and says, Oh, please get this off! Please get this off! Eloise, who has no predisposed fear to animals, like slowly crouches towards the snake and she's like hey hey um you might want to move the other way pal uh there's nothing for you over here little guy the snake slowly slithers a little bit closer and then stops and turns its head towards you and it looks you right in the eyes you swear one of its eyes meets yours as it turns toward you And Um, it hisses again, but it's not moving. Well, I just, you know, um, this garden's, like, really well kept, and we don't really have, like, any sort of mice or anything over here. So, uh, and and that really lovely woman is just, I I mean, it's not her fault, but she's so afraid of snakes. So it's it's in everybody's interest, really, for you to just um, sort of go somewhere else, maybe. Uh, roll me a persuasion check with advantage. Okay. So with a 21, the snake stares at you for just a moment longer, and you could swear, you you could swear you hear just in the faintest whisper, it says, thanks, as it slithers away. Matilda slowly gets off the bench, sits on it, just gripping at her heart. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you, my darling. Oh my goodness. Oh, goodness me, that was too much. Snakes in my gardens. Oh, my goodness. And you, Eloise. Oh, 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 no. No, 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 this will not do. Come, come with me. And she beckons for you to go and grab Parfait and come inside the house with her. Okay, I scoop Parfait up and I, like, hold him by his little body and I shake out his legs to get all the excess water. And they're just kind of, like, flapping around. And then I tuck him under my arm and I follow her in. Yeah, so you follow her inside. She leads you to the kitchen and says, wait here. And then runs off 
to another area of the house and you're alone for a moment. Then she returns after a few moments of silence and waiting. She returns and she closes the blinds and shuts all of the doors and just makes sure that nobody is looking and then walks up to you and says, Darling, you just spoke to that snake. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of talked at it so that it would you know, lose interest and go away. I, I really was just trying to distract it from Matilda. I, I, I was just kind of saying nonsense. No, so. no, no, no. Yes, of course. Yes, I, I understand that you helped me. You, you did. But, I mean, you, you spoke to that snake and it heard you and you, you did not speak the English that you were brought up on. You, you spoke, you spoke Passeltone. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I'm, that's not... We don't even have Slytherins in our bloodline. I come from Hufflepuffs. That's not possible. I know. I, I know what I heard. I know what I saw, but I'm, I'm worried about your parents and what they might think. I... Why don't we keep this just between us, all right? I would love nothing more. Please, please do not tell my parents. Just between us, then. <laughs> and, uh... Let's just hope you don't run into any snakes in Hogwarts. Oh my goodness. Um, she opens the blinds back up and opens the door and starts to walk out. I don't know why. I, I just imagined her climbing through the window. <laughs> she literally opens the blinds and just like just crawls jumps. out the window. <laughs> she throws like a grappling hook up. Just... <laughs> I think Eloise is going to grab like a kitchen towel and put Parfait on it and sort of towel him off and then take a seat and sort of, and grab what I'm assuming would be sitting there, which is her favorite snack, a cucumber sandwich, and sort of chew on it while she also chews on the events that just happened. <laughs> all right. We are going to go all the way to Clavelli, North Devon, England, where Hebos lives with his father and a little shack with no address in between High Street and Hobby Drive at the top of a mountainous hillside village that overlooks the sea. I imagine that, Hebos, you, you try and stay in the house as much as possible. You don't venture out very often, especially during the summer season, which is when the tourists, the non-magical tourists, come into town. They know that there's something strange about the village, but nobody knows exactly what. Nonetheless, it is a huge tourist attraction. It's a beautiful place. And your father owns a small restaurant in the village. So I would imagine Hebos would spend a lot of time working on the land, providing agricultural needs, different herbs and vegetables and fruits and things for the restaurant. And your father has asked for you to meet him at the restaurant today, make a rare trip to the village to bring him some of the fresh produce. So why don't you tell me what the little shack looks like that you are waking up in as you see this note from your father? All right. So, um, so the shack, or maybe it's not really a shack, but it's like a cottage, like two rooms, with like a sitting room or living room that's like also a kitchen. So it's pretty small. Obviously, Heb's room is bigger than his dad's room because 
He's a big boy. And like a lot of the cabinets are like weirdly high. And you say Hebos is large. Why don't you describe him a little bit more in detail? Yeah. So I've all seen the uh, icon I made, right? So it's pretty much just that, but his hair is like a lot messier and like thicker and he's pretty tall. Nice. Amazing. How much is he bench? How much is he bench? How much is he bench? He's 11. <laughs> so Hebos is a half giant, right? And his father is not. His dad's a human. Okay, awesome. Just like Hagrid. Just like Hagrid. So what are you thinking to yourself right now? As you pass, there are a lot of people bustling about in warm cloaks. Even though it is summer, we are by the seaside and it is the UK. So they're pretty chilly working, doing whatever they need to do to get by. It's pretty early in the morning still. It's late summer in the UK, and it is a blistering 47 degrees outside. <laughs> right. Um, Hebos is, like, putting on, like, a huge cloak, like, massive, like, goes down to the to the floor from, like, how tall he is. Um, and he's going to take, I guess, this sack of produce. And he doesn't, he really doesn't want to go, um, not out of, like, any sort of fear, but kind of, like, shame and embarrassment and like anger at the people down there, but he's gonna do it anyway, just cause his dad asked him. Why don't you go ahead and roll me a perception check as you walk down to your dad's kitchen? Oh, let's go, first roll, ice. Nice, dirty 20, okay. So Hebos with your dirty 20. So you see your normal village, you see people that you recognize, people that you don't recognize, sort of milling about. You pretty much know everybody, but you have tried not to necessarily get to know everybody, kind of. From what I understand, you like to keep to yourself. And today, you're hearing an awful lot of chatter, more so than usual, perhaps. And it's, it's filling your head. It's very, very loud. And then all of a sudden, it feels like it's no longer chatter from the outside, but like it's coming from you. But you're not speaking, you're just hearing things in your head. Uh, wait. Uh oh. Uh, he's gonna like stop and kind of like straighten like his back and just kind of look around a few times. Everyone seems to be acting normal. You do notice a few people just <laughs> randomly here and there, like shooting glances at you. But that's not something that you're unaccustomed to. You're used to people staring at you. It happens a lot. You're very tall for an 11-year-old. You're very strong. And then all of a sudden, some of these thoughts start to clear up. And you hear, I wasn't hoping he wouldn't come to town today. And then you hear another voice saying, that restaurant owner's son. Why won't you stay up in that shack where you belongs? And you hear a few voices saying very similar things. Well, he's so tall, the numbering giant half-breed. Just all of these different voices saying these negative things that you've heard before, even if it's come from your own head. But you're not accustomed to hearing them so loudly and so aggressively. And from other people, 
You're used to the looks and the stares, but this is something new. Hebos is gonna like, kind of like furiously blink back some tears and just kind of like shake his head. And uh, I like to imagine that Cat is like walking with him and kind of brushes up against his leg. And he's just gonna like set his jaw and keep walking to the, to the restaurant. But he's super just angry. Okay, so he continues on his way. Eventually, those voices start to fade, and you're able to sort of, yeah, shake it off and keep going to your father's restaurant and continue on your merry way. And yeah, you did. You mentioned Cat. Uh, tell us more about Cat. So Cat um, is like a middle-aged black cat that <laughs> hangs around uh, the shack at the top of the hill. Um, he's got part of his left ear has like been ripped off. Um, and he's like a generally like super mean and like sour stray cat, but he doesn't mind hanging out with Hebos. All right. So you and cat make your way, shake, shake off this, this unpleasant experience. And you make your way down to your father's restaurant and you walk through the door with a little ding and you see your father working there. He is a pretty short man, maybe only like five, six-ish, five, seven. He is bald with a gray mustache and little round circular glasses, kind of like Belle's father, you know, in, in mm-hmm. um, Beauty and the Beast. And he is just working furiously, kneading some bread at the counter, trying to prepare for the day. Um, Hevos is going to kind of like, he has no like tact or like any sort of social skill. So he's just going to like barge in, like kind of accidentally, like a bit quicker than he meant to. Your father looks up at you and notices that you seem to be in a bit of a huff and he kind of glares at you a little bit, stiffens up a bit and tries to make himself appear taller and says, Hevos, what's wrong? Uh, Hevos is going to grunt and walk behind the counter and put the produce where it needs to go. Well, um, off you go then. Y- you you have an important letter that you need to be returning to and writing. Wouldn't want to keep the headmistress waiting. I was just gonna, just gonna grunt again and walk, probably just walk back out. He's not in a good mood. Hebos, your father who looks after you seems just kind of confused, not really sure exactly how to be a good father to you. He just lets you walk out and back to the cottage. So you make your way through the village, once more back to your cottage. You notice that the door is actually open Uh, already. uh, Hebos will approach cautiously. He definitely closed that door before he left. Yeah, so you, you walk through the door and you see a beautiful, tall human woman Beautiful, flowing black hair, looks to be about probably in her 30s. And she is looking, she's actually sitting at your dining table, just waiting patiently for you to arrive. And when you walk in, she says, oh, well, hello, darling. I'm so glad that you're here. I actually needed to talk to you about something before you answered your Hogwarts letter. Actually, I could, I could take the response back for you along with me, but I'm going too fast. Sorry, that's my fault. Hello, 
My name is Miss Patel. Poverty Patel, but you can call me Miss Patel. Or you can call me Counselor Patel. I am the school counselor for your year, and I have something that I need to talk to you about. Have a seat. Bos is gonna like very like slowly take a seat uh, at the table, and is gonna say, uh, <clears throat> "Don't make fun of my British accent." <clears throat> oh yes, here we go. Is it? I need to know. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, we are all gonna be doing accents here. It's okay. Accent safe space. Miss Patil looks at you and smiles, and it's a very warm smile. She has very kind eyes, and she says, Well, I'm sorry that it took me so long to notice, but I think that perhaps it's not something that you noticed very recently anyways. You, my friend, are not just a wizard, but... You are a wizard with a particular set of extraordinary skills that, if you so choose, we could hone at Hogwarts. If that is something that you're interested in. And the skill, I'm sure you're wondering, is called legilimency. Is that something you've heard of before? She doesn't seem like she's trying to be condescending, but perhaps it comes across <laughs> that way anyway. Just too. is. How else is going to frown? Um... He's just going to shake his head once. Legitimacy is the practice of mind reading. Occlumency, its sister skill, is the practice of being able to resist that legitimacy. It seems that you have some sort of natural inclination towards it. I don't know if it's something that you've noticed before, heard any strange voices in your head. We do have skilled legilimens at Hogwarts that will be willing to train with you, to teach you, if that is something you would like to do. Of course, we haven't even received a response yet about whether you're coming to the school, which is fine. I could actually take a, that back with me today if you would like to accept. And you can take your time and let me know at orientation whether or not Legitimacy is something that you would like to further pursue. Habos is going to look at her. Um, he's going to say, kind of like almost, oh God, he's so edgy. All right. Um, he's just going to like frown again. And he's going to say, Hogwarts, but none of that legend, whatever stuff. It's not as if I don't know what they already think. Miss <laughs> Patil sort of, her eyes soft. And she frowns a little bit back at you and says, all right, well, if you change your mind, I will see you at orientation. That is, if you are coming. Just going to nod his head once. I'll take that as a yes. And she springs up and walks out of your house without another word, operating as soon as she leaves the front door. Dude, Hevos is such a bastard. I'm sorry if he's not doing much. But no, no, like, no, you're totally <laughs> fine. This, no, is, no. this is good. This is good. No, it's all good. I love Hevos. Yeah, I like it. We are going to cut to our next character. We are making our way now to Sweet Home, Alabama. Oh my specifically God. to 1737 Plant Road, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. Cody Calloway has also received his Hogwarts letter already. 
has not yet been visited by anyone from the magical world, but has received his letter. Cody, so you right now are waking up, about to be getting ready for school, or maybe you're asleep in your bedroom, about to be woken up for school. Oh, okay. Um, and let me Google something real quick. Uh, this is probably going to put me on a watch list. How much should a 10-year-old weigh? Um <laughs> Oh, okay. You yeah, are gonna I... start getting ads for Pediasure one hundred percent. Oh okay, so Cody uh is about four foot six, uh, about seventy pounds soaking wet. Um he's oh very God. lanky. He's got hair that's like in a buzz cut, close cropped. I guess he, he goes to sleep in what he wears during the day, which is like some variation of like tank top with some sort of sports insignia or um like various other graphic design, like the kind of shit you find at like in the Cole's kids section, you know, and uh, gym shorts. And he likes to go barefoot if he can, but he for school, he'll, as he starts to wake up for his day, he, he's the first thing he's going to do is going to check on Dale, who's like at the in a little box at the foot of the bed. Uh, and Dale is uh, Cody's pet raccoon, uh, who was almost a piece of roadkill. Uh, when Cody was about eight, he hit a raccoon with his go-kart and uh, injured it pretty bad. And he insisted upon trying to nurse it back to health. And his father, Richard, let him on like the assumption that the raccoon would die and it'd be a way to teach his son about mortality. But then, like miraculously the raccoon survived and so now uh dale the raccoon has just been a member of the callaway family ever since so uh cody you know uh you know kind of pats dale you know who i imagine is also turning awake and goes hey good morning dale your raccoon squeaks in response sort pop of... quiz rowan what does a raccoon sound like <laughs> 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 I also think it's going to be a good day today, buddy. <laughs> so it is nearing the end of the summer. You have received a letter from Hogwarts. Have you opened that letter? Have you found it? Uh... As I told you, uh, there is like a very big chance that Richard and Cody just do not read their mail. So Cody has not seen the Hogwarts letter yet. Amazing. Okay. So it's gone unread. You're... Father, Richard Calloway, bursts into the room with a little knock on the door after he's opened the door, as parents always do. <laughs> and he walks in and he says, ready for school? Uh, yeah, just about. Let me uh, get my backpack together and let me say bye to Dale. Hey, don't forget shoes. I'm not going to forget shoes. I, I remember my shoes, all right? Real shoes. What? Can't I just draw them on your feet. No, I... Okay. All right, well, I'll be downstairs. Breakfast is ready. Sick. Pop-Tarts again? Yeah, toaster's not working, so they're, they're just dumb. What flavor are they? You, you know it's frosted strawberry. Hell yeah. Hey, don't tell Aunt Maggie I said hell, okay? Scout's on her. Sort of yeah, I thought she's going to be super PO'd. She's going to be super PO'd. That's all right. That's all right. You just watch your mouth when you get to school, all right? All right. He leaves the room. All right, Dale. I'm just got to go to school. I'm going to come back and we can hang out and nothing is going to happen that's going to forever shatter or change my perception of the world or cause my life to go in some other strange direction, all right? Dale <laughs> stares at you with his big black eyes. <laughs> and they look almost watery. 
like there's a tear oh. that's going to just stroll down one cheek. It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh. But it looks like it could oh, happen. Hey, and Dale just nods once, knowingly. You you got other go. There's a lot of woods around here. Go find another critter to keep you company. You know while I'm gone. <laughs> hey, all right. Hey, all right, bud. You know what? I don't want to go to school either. All right. But you know when I get out. My dad is super chill. You know, my aunt, she doesn't allow it. But when my dad ain't looking, I'll go get some of the peanut butter from the pantry and you can have some, all right? He starts Dig- skidding around right. very excitedly. Oh, hell yeah. All right, that's cool. All right, see you, Dale. Cody's out of there. All right, so we transition. When Cody comes into the school, there's like this weird sort of like time-lapse effect as he like has to get scanned at the uh, metal detector. <laughs> right, right, oh, exactly. Precisely. He looks over and sees the penguin getting. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. All right. So we see Cody's school. Yeah, Cody. So you walk through your school. You are much smaller than many of your peers. There are some that still have not sprouted yet either. So you're not the only one, but you are amongst the shortest of your class. And it's pretty light. It's summer school, so there's not a whole lot of people there. But, you know, considering it's summer school, there is quite a lot of people here. Um, yeah. A lot a lot of folk have to take extra classes over the summer just to make sure that they're able to graduate and keep going and not get held back a grade. And that is exactly the situation that you are in as well. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think at least from my perspective, not because you are unintelligent, but I feel like maybe you just can't sit still, you know? No, I think Cody is actually deep down like a very smart kid. Uh, he just has a hard time focusing. And it's also like one of those things of like, just the way public education is like, they, there's not really the resources to help someone like him. And if there are like the people, you know, maybe just don't care. Yeah, very much a sit still and shut up kind of environment. Oh, absolutely. Cody, you are walking down the halls. You go through your day as normal. About midday, this is after lunch, you've already had your school cafeteria lunch and you're walking to your next summer class. Just to sprinkle it in, like, I feel like Cody mm-hmm. ate, al- ate alone because all of his friends, you know, the boys. Um, oh, Yeah. The boys, uh, Stevie, Mason, Charles, and Joey, uh, they aren't in school. So, you know, he's kind of he, he's, he's kind of going at this alone. And that's, yeah. he already doesn't yeah. like school. But without his boys there, you know, it's even more tough for him. Just unbearable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you have had your lunch alone. Maybe you're feeling a little bit just like, oh, my gosh, I just got to get through this day, get it mm-hmm. over with. And you notice the class town sort of bully slamming up one of the kids that's around your size up against the lockers trying to get the leftovers from his lunch what do you do he closes his eyes you know clenching his fists and he whispers to himself um he goes violence is never the answer and he starts and he makes his way over to the bully all right, the bully is still slamming this kid up against the locker, and you actually notice that it is your locker that you need to get to you. So your books are in there for your next class. So walking up there makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. And you hear your, you hear your conversation <laughs> between the two. Hey, 
Give me your leftovers. You don't <clears throat> need them, you chubby little pig. Damn. Hey. Cody's like kind of puffing his chest. The little kid is just like squirming like, oh, please, this is all I had today. Please, I'm pl- please, just just my, my mama packed this for me this morning. Please, don't, oh, oh come on, please. Excuse me. Uh, excuse, excuse me. Cody's trying to deepen his voice. I'm, just, I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to raise my voice, but sound like I have oh a lower <laughs> Roll me an intimidation check. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, this is... Stellar um, charisma. <laughs> uh, it, this is actually, I have plus four for this. Oh my god. Jody is all cop. Level zero? Uh, level, <laughs> yeah, I have a 19 charisma. Um, Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy if I could, Christ, if I could sorry. help justify this, I think like maybe like what's kind of working the intimidation here is people know that like Cody doesn't give a shit about his own safety. Like Cody does like jackass stunts of his go kart. Like Cody, yeah, absolutely. Cody will eat anything <laughs> on a dare, you know. Sure. Yeah. So tell me, um, you, you would recognize this bully, right? The Tom bully. Yeah, he's definitely kicked Cody's ass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, his name. As you know, is Trek. Trek. <laughs> Trek. T R E K. Trek. Yes. Trek. Don't don't you think you've had enough to eat, Trek? Um, why don't you let the boar uh, eat what his mama made him? So, with your twenty-one intimidation check, Trek is distracted enough by you by your crazy ability to just like yell and scream, even though you're so small. And he hears you and he lets go of the kid. That kid just bolts away. And he starts in on you. He sort of grabs your shirt collar and slams you up against your own locker. He says, <laughs> well, how about I get the rest of your lunch instead? Cody's trying so hard to keep his cool. Uh, you know, normally he would engage in this fight. But, um, you know, re- re- in the past couple months, he's had some sort of an epiphany and he's trying to be a pacifist. So he says, Trick, I don't want any trouble, so I'm gonna tell you, uh, to, I already ate my lunch, so I'm going to respectfully, respectfully tell you to please uh, eat shit and choke on it. <laughs> uh, Trek smiles wickedly. <laughs> and he levels his fist like he's about to just beat the shit out of you. Cody... <laughs> raises his hand to block it just like no no make a wisdom saving throw okay uh cody as you can tell not very wise that's his bad set that's that's a two that's a two i'm afraid you have been sort of building up this anger trying not to get into any fights and you've been doing a good job lately you know that Anger has just been building up and building up and you're so upset and Trek is about to punch you and you just don't want to be punched. You don't want to get into a fight. And that hand you raise up all of a sudden grows to like three times its size. And you look at it and how do you react in this split second? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think Cody in this split second looks at his hand and and thinks cool and the hand just weighs him down just immediately boom to the floor amazing <laughs> like he's not strong enough to lift it mm-hmm. 
So yeah, so Chuck tries to make an attack and you immediately drop to the floor because your hand has grown so much and you're not able to contain that weight and he punches the locker behind you. And then he just screams, just, ah, shit, you little shit. I'm gonna beat the hell out of you. Cody starts running, Cody starts running, Cody starts running. He, <laughs> he starts trying to run. He starts to run after you and then he notices your hand and he stops and he starts to back up. And he goes, you're, you're a freak, you're a freak. You're a freak! Cody. And he, he Cody, just Cody. bolts in the opposite direction, leaving you standing alone, late for a class as the school bell rings. What do you do? Um, Cody starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a freak. We are down bad right now. <laughs> Yo. Oh my god. I think Cody, if you, he's gonna run, Cody's gonna try and run to the bathroom actually, because his hands are weird. Okay. Um, Cody runs to the bathroom and you're in there for, you know, what seems like forever. It could have been two minutes. It could have been five. It could have been an hour, but eventually you're able to calm yourself down. And then you hear a knock on the bathroom door and you hear your dad on the other side. And he peeks his head in. Dad, I'm a pinch. God, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm crying in here. I'm crying. I, I did take a dump. I'm sorry. No, no, I, 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 no, no. It's it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Hey, son, I, I heard about what happened. I'm gonna need you to come over here with me. We're gonna take you down to the principal's office. It's all right. It's it's okay. It's gonna be all right. Am I in trouble? He runs his hand through his hair. And looks like he just would rather be anywhere else but here right now in this moment. I, I don't, I don't know, son. Why don't you come with me? I'm sorry, Dad. I did my best not to fight him. He puts a hand on your shoulder, and then he says, I, I know. He leads you to the principal's office. The principal's waiting there for you. You've seen her before. You know her quite well. <laughs> yep. Uh, quite well. What's her first name? Her first name is Jean. I say, hey, Jean. That is Miss Babakis to you. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, Miss Babakis. Yeah. I, like, give her a wink. <laughs> she she smiles kind of sadly at you. And you notice, um, actually, there's another woman standing next to her that you don't recognize. And she looks very out of place. So Miss Babakis says, Cody, why don't you have a seat? Cody sits. He's like feet dangling over the edge of the chair like Huckleberry Finn. Oh my god. Your father just stands behind your chair and keeps a hand on your shoulder. And Miss Babakis looks at the stranger and nods to her and then walks out of the room, out of her office. And the beautiful stranger, she sits down. She's wearing ornate crimson robes it seems to be like way too heavy of a cloak for this kind of weather it's alabama in the summer oh god but she seems fine her hair's dark and long and thick and luscious i mean she is probably the most beautiful woman you've ever seen cody says hi she smiles at you and she sits in the principal's chair And she leans forward 
Hey, she gets real mad if you do that. I did that one time and I got in trouble. So, you know, you might just want to get out before she gets back. <laughs> she, um, she smiles at you, chuckles a little bit. She says, don't worry, dear. I don't think that she will mind. Now. All right. We have a conversation to have. Darling, I don't believe you have opened your Hogwarts letter, have you? Is that something that came in the mail? Yes. Well, well, my daddy taught me that you don't have to pay the bill if you don't open the letter. It's a loophole in the law. So I have not opened it. <laughs> she smiles again and she says, no, 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 no. It, it's nothing like that. Nothing like that. She pulls out a letter from the inside of her robes and hands it to you. Would you like to open it? Yeah, I'll read it. So you read it. It is your acceptance letter from Hogwarts. It says, congratulations, you have been accepted into the Hogwarts School for Magic Users. You have been found to be in possession of great magic. And we would love to have you at our school. And then has, you know, a list of school supplies that you're going to need and all of that jazz. So, okay, so Cody uh, reads the letter um, and... As he gets to the end of it, he like looks up at the lady and he goes, I, I'm sorry, ma'am, what's your name? How kind of you to ask. Cody, my name is Miss Patil. Patil? Till, am I a wizard? <laughs> yes, I, we try not to use the uh, Cody starts sprinting around the office. He's like, Cody's like <laughs> trying to throw his hand really hard. He's like trying to snap. He's like, come on. Oh my God. Miss <laughs> Patel is like trying to explain the intricacies of like gender inclusion and magical <laughs> language. <laughs> we try not to use the term wizard or witch. We use magic user instead. It's inclusive. And... Yes, yes, you are. You are. Not only that, I'm actually. There's some more news regarding the incident that just happened. So, some some of us have special abilities and. It seems that you are in possession of quite a unique set of skills. You are a metamorph magus. Oh my god. Metamorph magus. Exactly, yes. So you, with some training, should be able to change your physical appearance at will. Oh, Jesus. You, yes, you could change the height. You could change your eye color, your hair color, your nose shape, face shape. It's all quite advanced. We would have to start small. But if you would like to study that with special uh, uh, tutelage, special instruction, then we could arrange that. We would just need your answer by orientation. You have some time to think about it. Question. If I go to your school, do I I have to keep going here? (laughs) No. All right, Dad, Dad, can I go? Dad, can I go? Why does he have to go all the way to Europe? There is a school here in America. Unfortunately, they are um, full. They're full of students already, and they, they cannot take everyone. But Hogwarts is a great school. We would take good care of him. Of course, you would still see him on winter holidays and on summer vacation. School does not start until September, so you have some time to prepare, and uh, 
yes, we, we would love to see you there. Obviously, it is up to you whether or not you would like to be accepted. But yes, that is. And your father's just like, son, you're comfortable with this? Go all the way to England? That's pretty far away. You have to take you have to take a plane. It's like, you know, you told me, Dad, I said, there's all kind. I want to do like what you did. I want to go on adventures. I want to get the hell. Sorry. I, I like kind of louder. So Miss Patel can get the heck out of Talladega, you know? Well, son, I think this might be our chance. Uh, one last thing, Parvati. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, how close is England to Italy? Closer than it is to here. Sick. All right. I'm in. We are going to fast travel. It is now late July. It is almost time to board the Hogwarts Express. Your father, Cody, has actually accompanied you on this first journey, so... I, can I... And I don't mean that... If I could throw you this curveball, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. Maggie would also tag along. Absolutely. Maggie! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maggie, yeah. Oh. Named after Maggie Gyllenhaal. Unconfirmed, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, so Maggie and Richard follow you, your father and your aunt come with you to London. Johnny or London. If I could just give a visual aid to everyone else, uh, you know, Maggie is Richard's sister. Just imagine um, the Logan siblings from Logan Lucky. Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good visual. Thank you. Yeah. We fast travel. They uh, accompany you. You are staying currently in the Leaky Cauldron. And then they're going to see you off onto the train, and then you'll be on your way to Hogwarts. Hebos, you and your father have made the trek to the uh, to Diagon Alley to gather all of your school supplies. And Eloise, your entire family is so excited for you to be going to Hogwarts. So they are all with you as well. Oh, just to be clear, it's just my mother and father though, right? Uh, yeah. I don't have any siblings. Yes. Okay. But of course, Parfait is with you. And obviously Parfait, yes, could not forget about Parfait. <laughs> I just like followed Hebos there. <laughs> Didn't even know how he got there. Catch just there. Uh, yep. So what would all of you like to do with this time? This is totally up to you. Whatever things that you don't get, like we will say that you just got. To like, I'm not going to go through getting all of your school supplies with you. But if there's something in particular you would like to play out, then this is your chance to do so. I just, Eloise wants to say something to her parents really quickly while they're walking and they're like talking about her list of school supplies. And while she's holding Parfait, she's going to make a very like, to her it's pointed, but in general it would just seem like a very like milk toast comment. Being like, um, I know it's tradition and I know it's what you guys did when you were there. Um, but I, things are just a little different and I don't think I am comfortable using, uh, feather quills while I'm at Hogwarts. Uh, I, I don't think it's right for the animals. So if, if it's fine with everybody, I, I would prefer to use ballpoint pen. I suppose, I suppose that's all right. Uh, could we at least put a feather on the ballpoint pen? It doesn't have to be a real one, uh, a fake one. Uh, well, I guess if you want to send me a pack of craft feathers, that would be fine. I would just prefer they would not be, um, real. Kind of like what we talked about with yes. all of my fur stoles at home. I just, um, 
not yes, comfortable with that. Of course. Right. Of course. Right. We, we, of course. Shall we head to all Avengers then? Yeah. That would be great. All right. Why don't we go there? In the meantime, is there anything anybody else wants to do that's concrete? Yeah. I feel like Abos wouldn't even notice that Cat is like following them until like his dad like pointed it out. So is that is that that cat that wanders around our cottage? Abos is gonna like look down. I imagine it's like a little bit behind him, and the cat just like looks up at him and just like blinks. Abos is just gonna kind of shrug. Um, and he's gonna say he'll find his own way home. And they're gonna like Damn. pass by like flourish and blots, and Abos is gonna be like. I already told you, I'm not using quills. They, I just can't get them to work. <laughs> I understand with the combination of magic and non-magic users, or witches and wizards, I just can't get with this PC culture. Oh, I understand, no. I understand, but it is tradition. But I understand if you don't want to, then we could just use some, I, I don't know. Pens, I suppose? Pens. Oh, oh. We'll take you to some sort of office supply shop. Hebbles uh, is going to kind of like look down at like his like clearly very large clothes and he's just going to kind of like frown and he's going to say, probably need custom robes again. That's not a bad thing. That's just, you know, everybody needs custom fitting robes. He sort of like pulls out his pouch that he grabbed while you were all in green gods and fishes through some of the coins and is like yes we can afford we, we could do that we, we can absolutely do that let's let's do that and then um we can get you some pens and your other supplies and then let's head to him uh madam masters i was just gonna kind of like heave a sigh and then walk off in the direction of the shop he like follows behind you Hebel sucks, man. Oh. <laughs> this kid needs some character development, dude. Cody, is there anything that you would like to do? Uh, Cody, <laughs> just to kind of keep this pin theme going in everyone's improv, um, Cody <laughs> has a backpack full of school supplies. You can tell uh, Maggie took him to Walmart before they uh, came up. He's got pencils. He's got colored pencils. He's got markers. He's got glue. Um, and and I, I'm thinking, because he may have, you know, in entering the wizarding world, I'm thinking he saw um, some Quidditch being played on his way in. Interesting. So he is in a full-blown Brent to the, and uh, I have the Harry Potter wiki up, so I'm not getting this wrong. Uh, the quality Quidditch supplies store in the north side of Diagon Alley. I think... Hebos and Cody would totally just like run smack dab into each other. Yeah, so I, I was actually gonna say, why don't you both roll me just straight up d20s? Yeah. Uh, oh, least... and as as real quick, just to add, just so I can add on to keep it going. As I'm running, like I think Maggie's trying to keep up with me, uh, and I'm oh, yelling sure. to her, like, "Thanks for the pencils, Aunt Maggie. Uh, I'm not going to use that quills because you know I mess up a lot, and I want to be able to erase what if I make make a mistake, you know, and fix it." So that's Cody's reason. Now we we've got that settled. Why none of our characters? Cody is the only person in all of Hogwarts to use mechanical pencils. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Your Aunt Maggie's running after you, like, "Hold on, Cody, hold on." <laughs> She's like following you in her 
very high heel stilettos. They keep getting caught in between the stones. Yeah, so you you walk through. Eloise, why don't you also roll a d20? In the meantime, while she's doing that, Hebos, you are on a mission, right? You're headed to the shop, not really paying attention to anybody. Um, and you all of a sudden get hit in the stomach by a body, just a full body. It's very small. That's why you're hitting the stomach, right? Like it only comes up to your stomach. So you see the short, scrawny little kid who looks, he looks like a yank. Wanka. <laughs> <laughs> to be frank, he looks like a yank. Cody just looks up. Cody just looks up at this six foot five, 11 year old. Cody, you are not looking at what, you're trying to talk to Aunt Maggie and you're just like, not looking where you're going for two seconds. And then all of a sudden you hit what appears at first to be just a brick wall. And then you sort of bounce off and bounce back and look up and you see, yes, this six foot five, so tall, also very skinny, uh, appears to be just a man, just a full grown man. Oh, that's my bad. Excuse me, sir. I'm just trying to, I, I wasn't looking where I was going. I apologize. This is the perfect time for a headless voice crack. He's going to, like, look down. Oh he's going to, like, kind of, like, sneer at him. Um, and he's just going to say, watch it. <clears throat> Cody starts laughing. Cody starts good, just dying in the middle. Like, gets back up. Like, it starts to run. It's back to the stop, but has to stop because he's laughing so hard. This is going to, like, take a step after him. He's going to be like, oh, what's so funny? <laughs> I just, I'm <laughs> uh, look, I shouldn't. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, my, my name's Cody. At this point, Aunt Maggie runs up, has finally caught up with you, and looks just with wide eyes up at Hebos and is like, I'm so sorry, sir. If my boy here uh-huh. ran into you, my nephew. Uh, oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. Cody, it is not polite to laugh at people, especially if you're going to be running like that. No, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry for laughing. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> sir, with the aforementioned lack of any social skills, going to, like, tilt his head to the side, and he's just going to, like, with a straight face, he's just going to say, Why do you talk like that? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, we are from America. More specifically, Alabama. This is uh, going to like look at Cody. He's going to kind of like scratch the back of his head. And he's not really going to look at him, but he's going to say, we expect us to use quills. Oh, my God. I was thinking the exact same thing. Hey, part. Hey, look, partner. I, I pull, swing my backpack around. I take a pack of like uh, mechanical pencils and I throw them to him. <laughs> I say, trust me, man. Those things are life changing. That's the only way I got through third grade. I feel like Abus is gonna like hold one in his hand and he's gonna like try to click it with his thumb, but it just like <laughs> then just breaks off. No. Oh. Like look at the broken pencil, kind of just like throw it on the ground and like storm off. Oh. Yeah, and Maggie definitely loud enough for Hebos to hear. Just turns to Cody and is like, "Wait a second, is that? Is he gonna be a student? I thought he was a." Is he not a parent? Me thinks the magic world has some uh, oddities for us to discover, Aunt Maggie. 
I suppose it does. Did you notice that? I said me thinks. I think that's how the people here talk. I, I'm not quite sure, but you could try it out, maybe. Yeah, what was I doing? Oh, yeah. And Cody goes back to sprinting to the Quidditch shop. Okay, so let's cut over to Ollivander's. Your parents lead you in. Yeah. They, so they lead you to the door, and then your father says, oh, Darling, this is a very important, significant step in your journey. And puts a hand on and leans down or, or kneels down rather and puts a hand mm-hmm. on your shoulder and says you must go in here alone we will wait out here with parfait but you, this is something that just between you and mr olivander did you did, did did you guys both do your wand ceremonies by yourselves that i it just seems a little like um i'm not really used to being unsupervised especially around uh Adults I don't know, so... Don't worry. Ollivander has been doing this for a very, very long time. And yes, we both were unsupervised. It was just part of the experience. And he ushers you into the door. Okay, um... Just just don't let anything happen to Parfait. I'm pretty sure I saw a giant walking around earlier and I don't want him to step on my duck. Oh. Oh, Oh, no. Somewhere, Tevo starts crying and he doesn't know. <laughs> so you walk in and it is a dark dusty musty shop it looks like it has been the same for 200 years with very little upkeep you can you're i mean you're immediately seizing from the amount of dust in the air oh yeah and a small old ancient old man shuffles out from the back to the counter and says eloise eloise is that right? Uh, under her breath, like she does that thing where she kind of like squints and looks and, like, like she like closes her eyes and like looks down into the side for a second. And she goes, "Oh my god, I hate old people so much." Uh, yes, that's me. Uh, hello, mm, Eloise. I remember your parents. Well, let's see, let's see here. And he uh, magics up his his tape measure and he starts measuring you all over. He's not actually controlling it. He's just standing up on the counter and it's just the measure that's going all over. Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, 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 interesting, interesting. And he starts shuffling through things in the back and brings out a small box, rectangular box, opens the box and a very dark, like a black, inky black, squid ink black, smooth. It doesn't even look like wooden. Like it's like, looks like it's a marble is shown to you. Her hand is shaking, and it's also very sweaty. So she reaches to grab it out of the box, and she, like, can't get a grip on it for a second between, like, her sweaty fingers and, like, the silk lining of the box. But she finally gets it in her hand. Uh, Go ahead and give me religion check. Okay. Mm, Okay, not great. Damn. Just a 12. Let's try one more. I have something else that I have in mind that is... Very similar to this, but could be... He goes back and brings out another wooden box or another long rectangular box. This one is also that same sort of marbly texture. It's the same sort of heaviness when you pick it up. But it looks like it is made of wood. Like, there is a wooden quality still to it. Like, you can tell that it has come from a tree and that it has just been taken very good care of. And it's not quite as dark. It's, it's a little bit more muted, more of a dark brown, chocolatey sort of sort of look. And go ahead and give me another religion check. 
Mm -mm, curious very curious indeed let's try one more one more one more and then i think i will have i think we'll i will know goes back to the back one more time and brings out one more that is very different than the other two very wooden it's light it's it's airy it feels light it's also lightly colored glows sort of a golden why don't you give me one more religion check as you hold this one in okay your hand? oh uh, <laughs> okay I, I guess no 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 not this one i think we need to go back to this first one what why don't you pick up one more time give it just a little wave this time until you get a nat 20 i know i was literally like can we get there um she's gonna take a breath or she's gonna close her eyes and she's gonna like take a deep breath and let it out and like study herself and then she's gonna open her eyes pick up the wand and flick it when you flick it this burst of red like red orange bright flame just shoots out of it and it doesn't burn anything everything is fine olivander it seems has put up some sort of shield to prevent from this sort of thing from happening it just bounces off and spitters out but he looks wide-eyed at you oh my oh my very powerful i believe that this is the one for you and this is made of cherry wood which is very rare and often makes for ones with much more destructive power what? <laughs> just 11 inches Cherry wood and dragon heartstring. Bro. Which also produces the most powerful forms of magic. For you to bond with such such a powerful object. That's very curious indeed. And I suppose we shall see what happens. <laughs> and he hands you the box and takes your gold and sends you on your way. So you are met when you get off the train by a gruff voice and you see a large looming man standing over the rest of the crowd that you can see from probably miles away saying first years first years this way this way you climb onto the boats following rubius hagrid through the lake and up to the Great Hall for your first night of orientation. And then, for the next few days, we'll have orientation for you. You'll have interviews with your counselors, and the sort and hat will be present for all of that, and at the end of that orientation, we will have the sort and ceremony. He sort of explains to you that you'll be going hey, through this interview process. Yes. Really good Hagrid, I just wanted to. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Is so like self-conscious about it. Staring at Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me. <laughs> it's it's the thing from Spider Verse. Yeah. Where they stink up. <laughs> You're like me. <laughs> Hagrid, or, or Hebos, you definitely catch Hagrid's eye a few times, and every time you do, he just gives you a, a very sweet smile, and you could see the twinkle in his eye even though his hair is graying and he looks much older than the uh, the warrior that you heard about, he is still the Hagrid that you have have dreamt about meeting for all of these years. Hagos is like gonna be all surly and like trying to pretend that he wasn't looking. Amazing. 
All right, first years, this way, this way. And leads you all up into the Great Hall. You have your feast, you have your first night's rest. And sort of a common area that is set aside for the first years before they have been placed. And you wake up the next day and it is time for your interviews. Now, I want all of you to roll another d20 for me. Just straight up d20. Okay. I wonder what this is for. <laughs> Guys, I think we're going to level up. From downtown. Ah, <laughs> God, stay in downtown. Evos <laughs> is so down bad all the time. Okay. It was just so funny. You you proceeding it with Evos from downtown. <laughs> <laughs> Got a seven. Lobbing a, lobbing a quick seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, oh how about you slept in this morning? Uh, <laughs> you were a bit late for your interview, so we're gonna do yours last. Cody and Eloise, you do wake up on time, and you actually end up having time slots right next to each other. So you're sitting together outside of Miss Patil's office at the moment, waiting for your interviews. Eloise is sort of morosely staring at the floor and bouncing her leg. Cody is uh, very scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's intimidated by Eloise's like presence, you know, very uh, high she's status. She's a girl boss. Yeah, she is a yeah. girl boss. Uh, Actually, Eloise is not a girl boss at all. No. <laughs> Uh, Cody can sense she's not like feeling great for like a good half a minute. Like Cody stammers, like trying to start to say things, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like just quiet enough that like it sounds like he's like ca- choking or something. That like Ellie's like kind of looks up and like checks to make sure he's okay, <laughs> and he's just like, uh, "Are you wizard too?" <laughs> Uh, Eloise, like, that's that's surprising enough to her that she stops bouncing her leg and she, like, kind of furrows her brow and she turns to look at him and she goes, yes, obviously. All oh, of that's us cool. are. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm sorry. You. Are you... You do know where you are, right? Uh, in a sense, yes. Um, <laughs> okay, I just, I'm sorry. I'm not because... from around here. Yeah, I'm from, uh, I'm from a little town called Talladega. Well, I, yes, I, I gather that you weren't from around here because of your rather boorish accent. Um, <laughs> I don't know what boorish means, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. Uh, Eloise finds this rather endearing. So she <laughs> snorts and then she realizes how uncouth that sound was. And she like, look, look, goes back to looking at the ground and bouncing her leg. You know, I, I already I already met uh, Miss Patel, so if you're nervous, you know I could tell her to like go easy on you or something. You know. Oh, I've, I've, I've met poverty plenty of times. Trust me, that's that's, that's not oh, the problem cool. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go way back is all. You know, I was just throwing it out. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I've done these kind of look. Uh, I don't know which one of us is going in first. Uh, but I've done these kind of interviews before. You know, uh, they'll they'll make you do with some math problems you know read a book a little bit of a book tell tell them what you think of it that kind of thing i'll uh look, look if i go in before you i'll come back out and like give you like some tips real quick you know you just uh, seem nervous at all I- i've done this kind of thing before uh she looks at him and she goes so you're an american 
Yes, ma'am. Proud to be one. Uh, <laughs> and then she's gonna, oh. and then she's gonna like sort of look him up and down, and she's gonna say, "Is an American quality to be so kind to people that you don't know?" Well, you would think so, but <laughs> in that's how I was raised personally. But in my experience, um, it it does not seem that way. So. I'm gonna go with it. A tentative no to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eloise breaks a small smile and she just like shakes her head a little bit and then she holds out her hand very properly and she says, um, Eloise Ann Shorewell. Cody pretends to spin it and he's like, ah, I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't do that. Uh, <laughs> Cody, uh, Cody, what'd you say your name was? Eloise Ann Shorewell. Eloise and Elo, sorry, hang on one second. (laughs) Eloise, I think, I dang it, sorry. Um, (laughs) Eloise and Shorewell. Okay, I got, I got it that time. Uh, Cody Harlan Calloway. I, I have, I have to ask. Do you have any family in England? Or is it just <laughs> you here? Well, you see, uh, my dad and my aunt brought me to England. And now they're back in America. So I guess it's just me here. Wow. Um, Cody stares at Eloise. It like looks like he's about to start crying. <laughs> oh, 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 um, oh my. Uh, it, it's fine. It's, it's all right. No, it, I, I know, I know, I know. If you um, think about it, I mean, I, I mean, America is just, you know, crazy England, essentially. So it, it, they're not yeah, really far away. I guess we are. Yeah, I guess we are. Oh, hell. I'm sorry. I mean, heck, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think at this point, she sees Dale underneath his seat. <laughs> oh, she right. goes, oh, my God, what is that? Oh, that's Dale. I, I'm i sorry. <laughs> I, I don't believe I've... I have read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them front to back five times, and I have never seen this creature before. Raccoon, y'all don't got him here. Uh, a what? A, a raccoon. A, a raccoon. No, we don't have those in England. Yeah, they're kind of pains in the asses. This one, this guy's pretty cool though. He looks a little mangy. Yeah, I hit him with a go kart a while back. That's how we met. What's a go kart? <sighs> you know, Eloise and Shorewell. <laughs> I don't mean to jump the gun on anything, but I think there's a lot we could learn from each other. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. Um, can you both give me, um, you could choose either insight or perception checks. Oh, both of um, those are bad. About this, this dialogue has felt so natural. Uh, <laughs> natural improv skills, baby. You said what? Insight Bronco. or perspective. Insight in our pers- perspective. What? You mean perspective? Per- perception. perception. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, they're the same for me. Wow. Some DM, huh? <laughs> Man, you have a negative one, bro. I got a six, yeah. <laughs> um, Hold on. Let me roll this. Okay. Cody, you are so enthralled by this conversation <laughs> with somebody who is so different from you that you, you you're just so invested like 
when you have a conversation with somebody, you are invested in that conversation. And so you don't, yeah. you don't notice anything else. Eloise, you actually catch a little bit of a conversation with a voice that you maybe recognize. I'm not sure. And you hear, you hear a voice from the inside of the office say, as, as far as we are aware, completely dissipated. And then you hear another voice respond with, what, can, can they even do that? And the other voice responds, they never have before. And that's, that's all you're able to hear. But you do catch just a snippet of conversation. And then just a moment later, Miss Patel walks out with another young-ish woman. She's probably in her 30s, around the same age as Parvati. She is with a huge, bushy hair that is pulled back, like a half-up, half-down sort of situation. Large, wise eyes, and with a clipboard in hand. And she smiles at the new students, and she says, It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Headmistress Granger. I'm sure I will be seeing you a lot of you, but but until then, goodbye. <laughs> and she short, sort of awkwardly turns a corner and walks away. And Miss Patil says, Eloise, would you please come in? Yeah, so Eloise uh, nods briskly and she turns and gives Cody a small smile and then she follows her in. Big thumbs up from Mr. Calloway. (laughs) (laughs) From downtown. Oh, um, so here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to send some questions to you, Rachel. And as Uh you work on your responses... We are going to cut to Hebos and Cody because Heb has made his way to his time slot, finally. Oh, hey, we made already, didn't we? I was just going to look at Cody and just kind of grunt and sit down in a chair. Hey, man, how are those mechanicals treating you? I was just kind of going to kind of like look over with like narrowed eyes and he's not going to say anything. He's going to like stare at Cody for a couple seconds and then look away. Okay. More of a number two guy. I get it. Number two? Yeah, like a number two pencil. You know, some people prefer. I'm, I'm, I break them pretty goddamn easy, though. I don't like sharpening them, so. Those kind of cracks a, a little bit of a smile, and he says, make pencils almost twice a day. Yeah. That's pretty cool, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> Cody is sweating. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, my name's Cody. My name's Cody. Let's just kind of, kind of look at him and nod. And he's going to say, Hebos. Hebo. Hebo. God dang it. I'm sorry. Um, Hebos. Hebos is just going to kind of like put his head to the side. He's going to say, O-D. O-D. Yeah. Oh, that's my. My name, don't wear it out. I was <laughs> <laughs> just going to kind of frown. And he's going to say, how does one wear a name out? Well, uh, it's just sort of a, I don't know, man. It's some shit my parents say. I don't know what it means. Because I say their names a lot when I want their attention. And they, they, they say that to me. And I don't know what it means, if I'm being honest with you. 
kind of like look kind of confused, but he'll just kind of nod along with it. So, uh, I think they're going to make us do math problems in this thing. Hebbos is going to kind of like shudder. He's going to say, you think? Uh, I hope not. God. I think I'm going in next. Look, if they make us do math problems, I'll come out and warn you, okay? Hebbos will just kind of like nod twice a little quickly. So at this point, the interview, it, don't worry about rushing. I've sent the questions to all of you. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Cody is going to send silence for the rest of his time with Hevos because I need to start filling this out. <laughs> Absolutely. So at this point, <laughs> yeah. the interview has ended with Eloise. So she walks out. How do you think you look at this point, Eloise? No matter, like, just unhappy. She's just unhappy to be in Hogwarts in the first place. So she's pretty morose. Mm. Yeah, so Miss Patil says, all right, um, oh, Hebos, it's good to see you. I'll, I'll get you next. Cody, why don't you come in? Sure thing, Parvati. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Patil, Miss Patil. Yeah, sure, I get it. I'll, I'll give her a week. God. She answers you and closes the door. Now you have some time to work a little bit. Sick. Eloise, Hebos? Uh, I'm actually nearing the end of these questions. Uh, so I'm a little distracted right now. That's totally fine. Yeah. So it could be that, uh, perhaps Eloise sits on the bench next to Hebos just to catch your breath. And also, uh, Hebos, so Hebos, you have that strange feeling again, as if there's a voice that is not yours in your head. And it sounds just like... Miss Patil's voice. And it's one word. You can't make anything else out. It's just kind of a whispering. And the only thing that you can make out is the word ghost. Ooh. <laughs> oh, spooky. Ghost is going to kind of like pretend that he didn't hear it, but it's kind of like bothering him deep down. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so Eloise and Hebos, you're sitting out on the bench together. Eloise, you're gathering your thoughts and your feelings before heading off to Mm -hmm. whatever the next part is. You said we're sitting next to each other? Mm Mm-hmm. Hebos is, like, hyper-aware of that, so he's, like, kind of stiff. Eloise has Parfait in her lap, and she's, like, gently stroking the top of his head with her index finger. Is Kat there? Yeah, Kat's just, I imagine Kat is just kind of like laying down at Hebos' feet. She's she's going to side-eye Kat while she's petting Parfait. And even though Hebos scares the shit out of her, she's going to like gulp and then quietly say, um, I I think your cat has ticks. Hebos is just kind of kind of like look down at Kat. She's just going to kind of shrug. And he's going to say, all right. That's bad. Your cat shouldn't have ticks. He's not my cat. He's just a cat. Well, he's sitting with you. He's going to kind of like raise an eyebrow. Just followed me. He's not mine. Well, don't you feel some form of obligation for him? Hembos like looks down and cat just kind of like yawns at him. Oh, do I get rid of ticks? Well, it's not a particularly pleasant process, but um, if 
cat is as sweet as he looks and then Eloise is going to like reach down to pet the top of cat's head and I'm assuming cat does not respond very well to that I feel like cat would just kind of like allow you to do it for like one second and then like pretend to bite you <laughs> okay um well I would recommend taking cat to a vet obviously a little difficult considering we're in a magical castle in the middle of Scotland um but perhaps Hagrid can help you out. I've heard that he is known to take care of the magical creatures here on campus. Uh, Hagrid? Yeah. You do know who I'm talking about, right? Not once. Okay. At this point, uh, the door just, like, swings very aggressively (laughs) open. Miss Mitchell walks out looking exasperated. (laughs) Cody looks extremely, like, proud. And he, like, sees uh, Ahab and Eloise, and he goes, I'm oh, sick, you guys already, you guys made friends with each other, that makes things so much easier for me. Oh, well, I, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, I'll pay a little closer. This isn't really going to, like, react to that, but he is going to remember that this is probably the longest conversation he's ever had with somebody who wasn't his dad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh. Miss Patil says, Nebus, why don't you come on in? Oh, he'll walk in, ducking under the door for him. And, oh, excuse me. Unless there's anything else that you two wanted to talk about. Oh, on, on the way, on the way, to... I like pull Heb aside and I say, hey, yeah, man. Sure. Hey, man, don't worry about it. They didn't make me do any math in there. <laughs> Heb is just kind of, kind of like look at him for a sec and then like crack a small smile and kind of shake his head. A nod, a nod. When Cody comes to sit back down next to Eloise, she's going to go, you know, I actually quite enjoy math. You know, as um, uh, as one of my dad's favorite bands would say, uh, you know, sometimes we just got to bless the broken road. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what that means. Um, lovely meeting you. And then she's going to get up and leave for like the, the dining hall. Cool. Perfect. I'm so glad that she does because it is dinner time, and with dinner time, it is also the sorting ceremony. Let's yeah. go. <sighs> All of you notice whilst you're in your interview process that the sorting hat was present in the room listening, or as you would assume, listening to the interview, just to get a better idea of who you are. And take away some of the pressure that the sorting hat often has to deal with, making those decisions on the spot. So that is what orientation is for now. But orientation is over, and with it, the beginning of the sorting ceremony. Rowan, in whatever order you deem the best. (laughs) It'll be alphabetical. (laughs) Oh god, first or last name? By last. Either way, I'm first. Cody's going first! So you're in this long line. There's candles, as you can see, lighting, floating students packed into each of their houses. The four long tables representing each of the houses, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. The stool is placed at the front in front of the professor's table, and a line is formed of first years ready to be sorted into their houses. The sorting hat is placed on top of the stool first, however. The sorting hat's mouth opens, its eyes open, and it begins to recite a poem. 
Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your orders black, your top hat sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat, and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see, so try me on and I will tell you where you want to be. Might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart, their daring, nerve, chival set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin you'll make your real friends, those cunning folk, use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on! Don't be afraid, and don't get the flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking man. There's a roar of applause. Dude, that poem was insane. Did you write that, Rowan? That's in the first book. <laughs> no. That's oh, that is? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Regardless, Cody was taking notes during that because he thinks it's like a mystery. So he's like trying to write down clues. <laughs> the sorting hat is spitting. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you line up and you get through the first few letters of the alphabet. And we get to Cody Calloway. Oh, God. And you notice that it is actually Hermione Granger herself rather than the deputy headmaster that is cool for kellen cody has no idea who this person is <laughs> what happened to parvati wait have i yeah wait did i get did i catch her name though do i know her name she did introduce herself as headmistress granger you did see her walk out of the office okay. before well I, I, I guess i'm asking do i know her first name no not at you've this seen already. it written you think it's pronounced hermione <laughs> oh, hermione <laughs> Uh, I, I, Cody like Cody like kind of trembling underneath his big flowy robes you know comes and like sits down uh in the chair I guess where okay yeah, 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 sits on the stool and he's like okay I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready put it all put it all put it all she smiles and places it over your eyes do I get a chance like in the movie to talk to the sorting hat you do hey uh Mr. Hat <laughs> Yes. Uh, I got a question. Um, this whole, like, soreness into different houses, like, um, you see, back where I'm from, at the school I used to go to, they had this thing where, like, they would take some of the kids based on their test scores and, like, put them in different classes than their other classmates. And, like, you know, the idea was that the classes would be catered to their, like, high ability or whatever. But usually it meant that that was just a way for the teachers to treat people like me like shit. And the people in those high ability classes just became like burnouts with superiority <laughs> complexes. So what I'm wondering is like, is this, is that what the Hogwarts house system is like? You're wise, young 11 year old. <clears throat> no, no, this is not like that. This is, this is an older magic. This delves into your truest self, who you aspire to be, who you ought to be. Who you want to be. A mixture of all of these things and more. And places you with others who will help you rise to the occasion. Well, 
That sounds like a nice change of pace. Are you ready? Hit me. There's a moment of silence, followed by Hufflepuff. Yo! Yo! Let's go. Let's go. Uh, he like. There's a moment where he like double checks like which one's the Hufflepuff, and when he sees it's the Honey Badger one, he like starts like freaking out. He's like, "Yo, yes!" <laughs> the table of Hufflepuffs stand up and cheer and whoop and holler and beckon you over. Oh hell yeah! Next up, we have. Wait, Remington comes. Before... Yeah, it does. Our comes before us. So yeah. we have Hebos. Who lumbers up like two heads taller than all of his peers. This is like super uncomfortable walking to the front, like when everybody's looking at him. But he's going to like sit on the stool and kind of like puff his chest out a little bit. Hermione reaches up and puts the hat on your head. Yes, reaches up, puts the hat on your head, and it fits quite well, actually. So it doesn't go over your eyes. You're able to still see everyone, but if you wish, you could close your eyes. That's up to you. Close his eyes. And the Sorting Hat says, Interesting. So much pain. But so much potential in here as well. You could, you could do great things, young man. Are you ready? I was just going to, like, shrug. Right, then. Better be Slytherin. Ooh. Ooh. Oh my god. Slytherin oh. downtown. He really Here. is gonna be an edge lord. Oh, <laughs> the Slytherins clap politely. They're excited. A little bit scared. A little bit nervous. <laughs> as you exhale, as you lumber over to the Slytherin table. So yeah, like we have. Yeah. He's gonna like sit down with like a little bit too much force and like pop the other end of the table <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hell yeah. That's exactly what happens. So we hear other names Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, much more. A few more R's, and we get to the S's and Eloise and Shawwell. Your name is called. I just want to like retroactively say that when Heb's name, when uh, Hebos's name and Eloise's names are called, Cody like cheers super loud. <laughs> Eloise strides up and she definitely would know like a lot of the people that are at Hogwarts already. So she's like kind of, you know, like making icon, polite eye contact with the people that she sees there that she's seen at like cotillion practice and stuff like that oh my god um and then she sits on the stool a lot of hufflepuffs for sure yes predominantly hufflepuffs yeah. yeah they are all smiling at you including cody of course right very excited to welcome you into their house and yes continue the family lineage of course so the sorting hat is placed over your eyes and you have a chance to say something if you would like um I'm just saying it in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, um, you sorted my parents, right? Of course. Shawwells have been Hufflepuffs for a very long time. You see in me what you saw in them. And so much more. 
Eloise like sighs and she closes her eyes and she's like, well, let's get this over with. Actually. Slytherin! And who's the edgelord now? Cody's face drops. (laughs) Eloise is shocked. (laughs) She looks very pointedly at the Hufflepuff table. Not specifically at Cody, but uh, although her gaze will definitely fall on him at some point, but like at the table in general. Oh, they all look shocked as well. Yeah. Cody's trying so hard to put up a brave face, but... Oh, <laughs> we're both in the other house without him. It's um, like Cody's like the, none. All of the Hufflepuff people are like shocked, you know, at this whole thing. And Cody's <laughs> asking them like, "We can still hang out with them. We can like we 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 were allowed to like go over there, right?" <laughs> the Slytherins clap politely, uh, whoop and holler, excited to have you with them. So, so headmistress Hermione takes the stool and hat and puts it off to the side and makes her speech and at the end of it says welcome everyone it is so wonderful to see you all here congratulations to all of our incoming students of course as you know the house point system the house cup system has been changed now we just have the quidditch cup we don't have the house point system anymore because we are not just our houses we are one school we are Hogwarts. So, as you each go to your respective common rooms at the end of the night, and you are getting ready for bed and heading to sleep, first time in your new dorms, what what are you thinking about? What are you? How do you feel? I think Cody. I think, you know, despite Cody being, like, extremely outgoing and, like, energetic and just, like, kind of, he's just kind of constantly on, I do think it's a little tough for him to, like, make friends. So I think he, uh, glumly, you know, um, like, right as he's getting ready to bed, uh, Dale's, like, in a cardboard box at the foot of the bed. And he, like, pets Dale, who's, like, kind of going to sleep, and he says, Ah, it's okay, buddy. We'll, we'll try again tomorrow. Heb, goes straight to his bed and he just like flaps back on it just he's just exhausted after so much like social interaction and like so many people and like like thoughts and stuff that he's been hearing um and he's thinking about Hagrid too and like how friendly and like cheerful he seemed and it like is confusing for him like he doesn't really understand it a whole lot so he's just kind of like cat like letting cat kind of just walk around on his bed and stuff he'll like scratch him behind the ears a little bit and just kind of like sigh himself to sleep Eloise is going to go back to the Slytherin common room or quarters or wherever uh, and she is going to get in bed because she's exhausted it's been a very emotionally exhausting physically exhausting day being sorted is like not an easy thing for her So she's going to get in bed. She's going to put Parfait on her chest and like slowly stroke the top of his head with two fingers to sort of like lull him to sleep and also to relax herself. And as she's doing this, she's going to, you know, close her eyes and think absentmindedly about the events of the day. She's really going to think about the fact that not only did she not get Hufflepuff, like every other member 
of her family lineage has in the past. She also got Slytherin, which she knows in her parents' eyes is like the worst of the four houses, the most disgraced of the four houses. And the fact that this act of rebellion is so internal and so intrinsic to her that the Sorting Hat was able to see it is going to bring her so much joy that for the first time since she's arrived at Hogwarts, she's just going to break the smallest smile about it. And then she's going to drift off into sleep. You go to sleep for the night. And that is where we will end our session. Oh my god. This has been episode one of Roleplay, Letters. This is the beginning of year one in the Spark of Adama, an all-new original adventure set in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Roleplay is DM'd by Rowan O'Connor and features Andrew Lynn as Hebos Remington, Rachel Johnson as Eloise Ann Shorewell, and myself, Kellen Kermeens, as Cody Calloway. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow our social media accounts at RoleplayPod on Instagram, and hopefully Twitter soon. We're in the process of getting that set up. Uh, but follow those to get updates and other bits about the show. All that can be found in the description of the episode, along with, if you're interested, the filled out sorting questionnaires that you can hear us refer to during the interview process. Andrew, Rachel, and I filled out these personality tests in character, and Rowan used those answers to determine which house uh, the sorting hat would put us into. So if you want to see what Cody, Eloise, and Hebo said, they got them sorted into their houses. That is available in the description below. Our next episode will be released next Friday, October 15th. Until then, remember, trans rights are human rights, and J.K. Rowling can eat shit. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the 15th.